new episode. Woohoo. It's a good one, yeah? It's really good. Yes, we have Johnny Baker on today, and we're doing a series of programs where if someone's in trouble and they come to Rebel Parenting, they're like, help, what do I do? That's what we want. Correct. These are the help programs. Johnny Baker, we're doing help, my spouse fell off the wagon. Yeah. It was a good one. It is really good. It is, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to give you a little bio from Johnny. He's been on staff at Celebrate Recovery since 2004. Celebrate Recovery is, um, people go, it's kind of like AA. It's not. It is a recovery program that you can compare to AA because they both meet in churches oftentimes. Okay. Um, it was started at Saddleback by his dad, John Baker. Okay. Uh, Johnny is running it now. Johnny has struggled with alcoholism. Um, he has been the pastor at Celebrate Recovery at Saddleback Church since 2012, and he's been on staff at Celebrate Recovery since 2004. Uh, I worked at Saddleback. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a great program. It has helped, oh my goodness, countless, countless people. Yeah. Uh, this is, this, this broadcast is kind of fire, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. This is a good one. If you know <laughs> someone that struggles with addiction, if you struggle with addiction, uh, if you're married to someone that struggles with addiction, if someone that struggles with addiction is in your family, you will have dealt with everything we talk about. Right. Um, uh, depending on what level that person is in, uh, he's super honest. My goodness, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a We've gift. had some some just lit people on the broadcast that are like, oh, y'all totally talk about stuff. Like, whatever, no yeah. big deal. <laughs> this is how we get through it. Like, yeah. oh, thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. thanks for being honest, unlike most of the world. So, yes, we man. need it. We're going to have a great, great broadcast. Rebels, I just had a birthday, turned 48. What, what? Yay, happy birthday. Thank you. And I heard that you just got back from New Jersey. That's right. Thank you, New Jersey. W-L-O-M 92.7. <laughs> I want to do spots for them. Right. I want to do like the Good Morning Vietnam stuff. <laughs> oh, I went yes. out and preached at Ocean City Tabernacle. Had a ball. Nice. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if they were ready. I don't know if they were like... Yeah. I had someone that said that. No lie, that's what he says. I don't if if you've not been to like the Ocean City, Jersey area or the Jersey Shore, like mm-hmm. it's it is um Yeah. It's Jersey for sure. Lots of tourists, lots of traveling, but this guy came up and I mean he was like classic New York Italian, like slick back hair, <laughs> uh not quite as tall as me, big Hawaiian shirt, cargo shorts. He was there summer, like thick accent. He goes, Hey, you're good. I like you. And I was like, thanks. He goes, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't this. He goes, I heard James Dobson's son was here. I thought some like, holy man, man, man. He's like, I like you. I like you. I'll come back. I was like, okay, thanks. He was hilarious. I told that to Marshall. Uh-huh. And Marshall's like, yeah, you should have said, oh yeah, my man, my man. It was early service. Like, come on, that was, you're a good one. I had so much fun. I would go back in a heartbeat. Ocean City Tabernacle. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. so much it was such an honor to go and talk about jesus to all you kind people and man the people that i met afterwards were so cool Mm -hmm. first service here's crazy one first service was an older generation for sure Mm -hmm. like you watched online yeah yeah it was old generation yeah they're rebel listeners yay i was like what's up rebels and i was like anybody listen hands everywhere really yay later service younger crowd oh crickets Really? Yeah, oh yeah, I had to use the how dare you. Everybody <laughs> laughed. I was like, who's listening to Rebel Parenting on Saturdays on 92.7 WLOM? And it was like, cricket. I was like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> and then like the staff would start laughing because the staff was all into it. They were right. like, we listened. You know? Yeah. It was good. It was good times. Thank you. And just thank you. Any chance I get to preach at any church anywhere is an 
honor. Oh my goodness. Oh, I, I started, I had so much fun. You know what? We were talking about this in the Mediterranean love plan in the upgrade mm-hmm. when the most creative I am, like when I'm less stressed, like creativity blooms, you know, right. yeah. I got in the zone on stage and started thinking of new illustrations about salvation while I was up there preaching. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any time. Yeah. Like I had timed it all out and all these things keep popping in my head. I was like, Ooh, this, Oh, I could use, I just switched it up. The second service, I full on switched it up. I was like, <laughs> I have way too much new things that I just, Oh, it was a blast. I love preaching. Mm. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> favorite so rebels without any further ado let's jump into johnny baker talking about help my spouse fell off the wagon on today's edition of rebel parenting johnny baker thank you so much for coming on rebel parenting today we really appreciate it i'm so glad to be here thanks for having me absolutely johnny you've got a book called the road to freedom and it's Healing from your hurts, hangups, and habits. You work with Celebrate Recovery. Your dad and mom, John Sr., started Celebrate mm. Recovery. Um, was it cel- started at Saddleback? It was, yeah. I was wow. started here at Saddleback in 1991. My goodness. In 91? Oh, I was there. Yeah. Oh. Wow, that's amazing. Absolutely. I've been, I've been at Saddleback for a long, long time. Johnny, we wanted to have you on because when we started Rebel Parenting, we started getting lots of emails from people that struggle with addiction, whether it's pornography, uh, recreational drugs, Alcoholism. hard drugs, alcohol, prescriptions. A lot of prescriptions. It's yeah. a big deal out there. And I think one of the things couples struggle with a lot is when someone falls off the wagon. Uh, and studies show that if you struggle with addiction and you do go to rehab or you do kick, the chances of you falling off the wagon are pretty high. And that seems to really... Oftentimes divorce happens or people get kicked out or there's isolation or separation. And yes, sometimes I think that's necessary, but I don't think it's always necessary. And so we wanted to come to you. You've got so much experience in this. Mm-hmm. You're leading people to freedom. You're working to celebrate recovery. What happens when a spouse falls off the wagon? Yeah, I think there's so much that goes into this conversation and I'm glad yeah. that we're having it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the big thing is, like you mentioned, what what we're talking about here is relapse. And oftentimes people say relapse is a part of recovery. And it often is, but it doesn't have to be. It is preventable and it's predictable. Mm. Um, and so mm. what we can do is we can kind of, we can get into that in a minute. But I think okay. one of the things that happens a lot with when you talk about, you know, people are kicked out and things like that, the the behavior that the addict has has shown and and I'm a recovering alcoholic myself so I'm not casting this at anyone totally. else I'm saying you know this is something that I've I've experienced at some point it gets so bad for the family so bad for that other person that boundaries are set and once a boundary is set that person often um when the relapse happens it feels like an attack against those boundaries oh, and okay. And so uh, in celebrate recovery, one thing that's important in the context of this conversation is it's for not just for the addict and the alcoholic, but it's for anybody with, as you mentioned, with any addiction or for the spouse and for the kids mm. and that kind of stuff. And so as a spouse, oh, for the gets entire the unit, sorry, exactly, okay, exactly. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Because what happens is the, the addict's behavior doesn't just affect the addict. It, it affects the entire family. Right. The Absolutely. Whole, yeah. It deteriorates so, the whole family. <laughs> yeah, it really can, you know. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of my story is my dad is was you know, he's a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His 
alcoholism affected our family. Mm -hmm. I took some of that on myself, affected my wife, thankfully got sober before we had kids. But, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, one really wanted to break that cycle of dysfunction in our family is a big part of our story. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it gives you a really unique perspective, you know, growing up in it and having it yourself. It's, that's such a common occurrence when a parent struggles with an addiction. So often children struggle with it as well. Did you see it early on? Did you notice those tendencies? Like I have an addictive personality. We noticed that really, really early on. I love to dive <laughs> head first into whatever it is and it's gotten me into trouble at times. So yeah. did you see that growing up? Was it something you're like, Ooh, that might be a problem someday? A hundred percent. But <laughs> also, I also had for a long time, I had a, um, I had this idea that I wasn't going to struggle with alcoholism. Mm. I just kind of was like, nope. I'm going to, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. And then Mm. I Mm. started to believe, you know what? Maybe my dad just didn't know how to do it right. And, you know, I all be able to control it and then just went completely crazy. (laughs) You know what? That's interesting because it starts like that. It does. And with addiction, that's so interesting. When you talk to alcoholics and you talk to addicts, right? In their brain, what they're saying is, it won't happen this time. I know it won't happen this time. I know what happened last time. I know what I did last time. I know it triggered me last time. This time, it won't happen. I know it won't happen. I've grown up. I've, I've gone to counseling. I've, I've been to the 12 steps. This time, it won't happen. That is virtually a universal thought in the mind of an addict. Right. And so that's when we talk about that, that predictability of relapse. My, my dad has a book called Life's Healing Choices. And in it, he has this predictable pattern of relapse. And it starts with what you're talking about, confusion. It starts with this idea of like, well, is it really a big deal? I mean. Confusion is the first. Yeah. Uh, like the road back. To, yeah. Like, what, so to everybody relapse. sort to of relapse? points. Everybody points to like the drink or the drug or the looking at whatever the thing is as the relapse. And what happens is people go, I don't know how it happened. I just slipped. But the reality is, is there really is a, a progression that gets you there. There's a slide. And so there's, <laughs> was that? There's like a slide that takes right, you right down right. to the road. Yeah, there are little steps along the way. So we get confused, we get complacent, mm-hmm. then we start to make, um, I always, this is the one that always gets me, you guys. It's always this one that I try to, that I have to kind of jog my memory for. Um, oh gosh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> It's a C word, and it's what we start. Compromises. Compromise. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, so embarrassing. Fantastic. I did it earlier no, on another no. uh, our Facebook thing too, uh, and then comes the catastrophe, and so we start. We, it it's easy to see, and if you're talking mm-hmm. to someone in recovery, you can start to kind of see these things pop up, and they'll say maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Or, or I think I can control it now. Like you were saying, Ryan, like this, I think it's okay now. It's not that big of a deal. Or I've been sober for six months. Doesn't that prove I'm not an alcoholic? Mm. And these little chinks in the armor start to show up. And then pretty, pretty soon it's, you're in trouble. Yep. Yep. So today, as we're recording this, it's July 2nd. Uh, in 10 days, I will have uh, eight years uh, without alcohol. And Congratulations. Yay. Thanks. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Good job, babe. Thank you. Um, And I'll tell you what, when I am, this is a funny word to use, but when I am at my most sober, Uh I know it's still a good idea. Because as I look back over the last eight years, when I really, really was like, man, wouldn't it be great to have a drink today? 
It's <laughs> you look back historically, and it's like, wow, that was a terrible season to to introduce that back into your life. Uh-huh. You know, that situation, that season, that scenario, that incident, virtually every single one of them was a bad idea. I'll tell you where I got triggered and I didn't know it, and uh, Laura helped me with it. I got into baking bread for a while. Okay. And using that much yeast got it back into my senses. Yeah. And I started going, oh, I'm, I'm craving something. And it was a kind yeah. of an odd thing, but. Yeah. Just the smell. Yeah, I love that confusion because there have been times in the last eight years, and that's why I do have people around me. I do have counselors and I've got my wife and I've got people that I trust to say, you know, where I can say, you know, hey, I've thought about it. Or, you know, I've thought, hey, it'd be nice to have a beer again. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and it's not this, <gasps> you know, that's what I, that's what's hard for someone that struggles is going to someone that flips out if you go, hey, I thought about drinking today. And they go, but you can't. You, right. you know you can't. And just they freak out on you. You're like, I, I know. That's why I'm I'm trying to talk to you about it. Right. And I think that's why, like you were saying, counselors or recovery groups and people around you that understand the struggle, it's so important. Because mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. just talking to people who have been hurt by your addiction, they're going to have that response. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that response of like, oh, no, you're going to go back to the old ways. Where somebody, right. you know, you and I sitting across the table from each other, you talk about that. I go, oh, yeah, that happened to me last Christmas. I was in line at CVS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought I'd love to buy a bottle of whiskey with the fancy glasses in it and i went what is happening (laughs) yeah and so i called my sponsor in line at cvs and said hey you're gonna stay on the phone with me until i'm done getting my prescription and then and was able to make it through that momentary momentary trigger yeah but if i would have called somebody who was going to be triggered by that then it could have been worse and worse could have been worse oh okay hang on a second i gotta uh, jump into two things uh two things i know i'm so and I, i promise i'll let you First of all, calling your sponsor in that moment, there are people out there that would be like, oh my goodness, are you really that weak? That's the strongest thing a person with an addiction can do to say, yes, I am. And our scripture says that when I am weak, then he is strong because I understand I don't have the power myself to say, I can't, I, I can't believe I'm triggered. I can't believe I'm tempted. How ridiculous this is. It makes me angry. It makes me sad. I want to hide this. Uh-uh, I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to call somebody responsible. I'm going to get through this. That may be one of the bravest things a person can do. Awesome. I agree. Yeah. Well, I talk, you know, one of the, the first chapter of my book is admitting you have a problem doesn't make you weak okay. or doesn't mean you're weak. And I think for that's sure. the, that is the whole thing is saying this is an area of struggle for me is so important Yes. because if we don't do that, then you're setting yourself up for this false expectation that you're going to be able to handle everything and you're just not. Okay, perfect. Well, and two things, I, I'll jump off that one. How would you suggest inviting community that maybe don't struggle with it, but that you want to enlarge your community so you have um, like mm. protection around you yeah. or an armor around you? You know, we, we are the body of Christ and I believe community helps in every area yeah. of life your character development, your addiction, uh, your lack of spirituality or your mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, yeah. How do you tell those kid- around you? Hey, you know what? I know you don't know this about me and it's kind of embarrassing, but I struggle with addiction. And so, but just, I would love for more, account- you know, not like, I don't know what I think about accountability, but just for more, uh, truth. openness, freedom, freedom. Cause the truth will set you free. Right. So it's the road to freedom. Right. Johnny? How, how do we do that? Yeah, I think you have to be open and honest about your struggle. And then you do kind of have to 
remember that people are going to have that like intake of air and that kind of like, oh my gosh, moment that, you know, I remember when I first got sober, I'd go to a restaurant and they would be like, you know, can I get you a beer? I'd be like, I have a drinking problem. Thank you very much. And it was just like, (laughs) you know, maybe not everybody needs to know all of my stuff all the time. But I think having those. I'm so sorry. As a as someone that doesn't drink, that's the other one too. When you go to a party, you go to something like, oh, hey, can I have a drink? Oh, no, I don't drink. Oh, uh, 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 we've got, uh, um, there's a uh, there's sparkling water in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have a good friend whose daughters are, uh, whose oldest daughter is just in college and she's made the decision not to drink while she's in college. And she said that one of the things that she does, it was so funny. Cause she's like, Johnny, all I do is I just say it's a personal decision. And I was like, uh, Oh yeah, that, oh, awesome. I guess that works. Doesn't yeah. it? You know? Yep. Yeah. But, but to your point about accountability, I think it's so important. I think however you build that in, whether it's through recovery groups, whether it's through small group at your church, whether yeah. it's through just talking to friends about it, it's so important to have it. And, you know, we, you know, we often talk about sponsors in recovery and I love my sponsor. He's actually near you guys. He's in Colorado. We talk all the time on the phone. He's a great, great man, mm. but he's also in Colorado and I'm in California. Yep. Huh. I have dozens of accountability partners in my phone that I call and text all the time. The secret is some of them don't know they're my accountability partners. They just think they're friends of mine. (laughs) You know, but in my mind, they're accountability partners and they help keep me on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then my next question is, um, what are, so the spouse, what are some of the tools that you can give to the spouse who is watching their spouse go back out and drink again and relapse again? Maybe, getting some time, getting six months, going back out, getting a year, going back out, get, you know, kind of that thing. Yeah. I mean, definitely what I would tell them is to, to find recovery for themselves, whether that's Al-Anon or celebrate recovery Mm -hmm. and work on some codependency issues, a counselor support around them as well. Read, you know, Townsend and Cloud's book boundaries. There's so many different things that are available for, for that person. Um, and then to learn what their boundaries are and then stick to those boundaries because mm. I do believe relapse is preventable, but if the landing is too safe and easy and it, 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 it kind of makes it easier to go back out and go back out and go back out. So there does need to be some accountability. Now, Ryan, was you were saying like the big freak out moment and the whole thing of whether when it's a conversation or a man, I wish I could, or I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. If that is the same as. I went to Vegas and I had a bender. If the response is the same, then now we're in some trouble, you know? Sure. So I think some recovery for the spouse is really important as well. It's true. Yeah. And I I can speak to that a hundred percent. The more therapy the spouse can get, the less triggered you'll be. The more calm you'll be, the more tools you'll have, the more secure that foundation will get back. You feel like a boxer that's been knocked and you're on your heels. It'll give you that support. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean you won't experience pain. It does mean you'll be going through it with somebody that's a professional. Yeah. That's yeah. trained in this. It's it's one of the greatest things you can do. We are such firm believers in therapy, in counselors, yeah. and in getting help. Johnny, can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah, please. I think sometimes um, I wonder, some of the people wonder, what is the definition of alcoholism? Yeah, you know, I think it varies from person to person. I really do. People okay. will say to me, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I'll say, I don't know if you're an alcoholic or yeah. not. But if alcohol is a problem for you, then I think I think it is. I For me, I'll just tell you my definition in my own life. There was a moment where alcohol went from something I enjoyed to something I needed. 
And that was the transition for me. I was lying about drinking every night to my wife. We were married for the first four years of our marriage. I drank behind her back mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. hid it as much as I could. Mm -hmm. um, I, I got a DUI in 1999. We got married in 2000. Mm. I, I didn't stop drinking in 1999. I stopped driving after I drank because I thought the problem was the car, right. um, <laughs> not the no. booze. And so um, it wasn't until she got pregnant with our oldest daughter that I went, well, I need to stop this mm. and started attending Celebrate Recovery for my alcoholism issues. Okay. Um, hey, but so like? for me, the, the, the definition is I needed it. I had to have it. Totally. Okay, thank you for that distinction. What was that like? Mm -hmm. Your parents founded Celebrate Recovery. All of a sudden, you're married. <laughs> you're Johnny Baker. Come on. Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I understand that feeling. I just want to hear it from another person. Yeah. What's it like <laughs> exactly. when, you know, like Laura and I go to marriage counseling, and I've been divorced. You know, my dad's James Dobson, marriage and family right. counseling. I went through a divorce, <laughs> and we go to therapy regularly, and so... One, what was it like? And can you give some encouragement to people that are like, yeah, but my friends are going to know. And what, what do I do? It's, it's that shame and embarrassment for you. It had to just be like bananas. Yeah. Well, I talk about when I got arrested in 99, I <laughs> had to call my dad from the jail, oh, no. you know? And so calling not just dad, but founder and pastor of Celebrate Recovery, oh, yeah. there was some big oh, shame. No. Oh, you're oh. my new best and friend for sure. <laughs> Wow. Right. I feel like you and I have a lot in common that, Kindred you know, spirits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The But so walking those doors to to, you know, walking back into those doors, because I had gone through Celebrate Recovery as a teenager and worked on some codependency issues and a child of an alcoholic and some of those mm. things. But walking back in the doors now as an alcoholic, there were moments where I thought, what am I doing to my parents when I do this? You know, like, mm. but I found such a welcome you know, from all the people that were there as I began to work on my issues, they didn't care who yeah. I was. They didn't care that my name was Johnny Baker. Now, once I started working for Celebrate Recovery, some of them cared and some of them were not happy. But Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, that just it's makes me laugh word. so much. That's a whole different story, but we Somebody understand. That has <laughs> the most intimate experience in addiction and recovery shouldn't work in addiction and recovery. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's I hear a whole it. Thing. I see but, it. It's common. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it's, but yeah, that's been a long time now, but, but, you know, I do think there is that there is such this like feeling of, I can't go, I can't show up. What if my yeah. friends know? What if my, what if the people sitting next to me in church every Sunday know that I've got a problem? The reality of it is we all do. We all have issues. Every one of us could be in recovery. Every one of us could be in counseling. Every one of us could be in therapy. Mm. And there's no shame in that. And I think mm. one of my passions is breaking that stigma that like, oh, you're so messed up. You had to go to a counselor. It's like, no, I'm so afraid <laughs> of being messed up. I went to a counselor oh. or, you know. Or, I, oh, I just say yes. Both. Yes. 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 Right. So much. Yeah. yeah. I'm starting to, I've only seen him once and I've got my second appointment on Thursday with a new counselor. And yeah, we are such firm believers in that. I can tell you that my life has been upgraded and leveled up over and over and over again because I've hired somebody whose sole purpose in life is to get people past their roadblocks and obstacles. And who's whether, a professional. That's right. Whether it's marriage or parenting or addiction or life or business. Yep. Oh my goodness. It is Coaching. so amazing to have someone focus on you and go, oh no, I can help you. I okay. can. 
getting that third like, perspective, I think for anybody, whether you're in addiction or not, I, I think you're talking about with a sponsor mm-hmm. or a coach. Um, I love to coach volleyball and I always think of coaches as being able to see what I can't see. And so I grew up always an athlete played sports my whole life. And so I always subscribe to having a mentor or a coach or a counselor or someone in that has that other perspective because I get narrow minded and I only see what I see and I think I'm right. And that doesn't work all the time. It's so (laughs) crucial. I mean, Bible, the Bible says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. And you know, we want forgiveness. We go to God. We want to be healed. We go to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that the addict, and I think most people like to isolate. They like to pull away and say, I got this, I've got it covered, no problem. Fighting against that isolation and going into community or mm. counseling or whatever that is that that gets somebody else to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. Other people can see things in my life, both the positive and the negatives that I can't see. Correct. I'll talk to myself in ways I would never talk to somebody else. I call myself names that I wouldn't call my wife, I wouldn't call my kids, I wouldn't call you two, and I'm just yeah. meeting you. Yep. Yeah. And so I think having somebody else to come step in and go, well, hold on, you made a mistake, you're not a loser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Amen. you had a weird thought, that doesn't mean, you know, whatever that thing, just having somebody else to come in and say, I'm watching you change, I'm watching you grow. It's so important. Mm. So important. Somebody oh, yeah. I love that you said yeah. that. That's, That's right, someone mentor. that says, no, 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 I've known you for a while. I knew you here, right. and I knew you here, and I knew you, then, and I knew you here. Yeah. That's the other one, too, that I love with an outside source is they talk about your identity and behavior. No, 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 you took a drink, you're not a loser. You did a bad mm-hmm. thing, your identity is not bad, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, Johnny, that's what I as- love about family, Johnny. I, I was just having this talk with my nephew, and just to speak into his life, like, hey, I, I knew you since you were born. Mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. what you're made of. I know your character and I know you might be struggling or whatever, but like just the, the enrollment of family in the struggle, mm. I think um, the value of that, I think got missed by the church. It's huge. Yep. It's huge. Having, having people, you know, and, and back to identity, you know, when in celebrate recovery, I don't say I'm Johnny, I'm an alcoholic. I say, I'm Johnny. I'm a believer who struggles with alcoholism. Uh, My identity is in Christ, not in alcohol. And it's so important because I think, you know, if we don't remember where our identity is, then it's so easy to go there. And having people who can say, like you did to your nephew and like people do in counseling and recovery groups and all that kind of stuff, say, no, 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 hold on. That's not who you are. Who you are is this. This is a current thing you're struggling with. It's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Johnny, it's so important to do for other people too. What a yeah. what a cool thing it is to have somebody go, oh man, I'm always the one that does this. Like, no, you're not. I just saw you last week. You did this instead. You know, it's, right? just, it's yeah. so powerful to do that for others too. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, Johnny, as a spouse who let's say, let's say that Laura struggles with addiction, and what are some of the things that I can look at that would be natural things that would that would kind of help tip the scale the wrong way? So I'm thinking, uh, for me. If you want to see me fail, uh, I have to lose a lot of sleep, <laughs> eat bad food, um, be by myself. So like when I used to travel and be on the road all the time, I had a team of people I would call because if you get hungry, mm-hmm. angry, lonely, tired, you have a pretty good recipe for failure. And I would go on yeah. the road and I would speak and it would be amazing and I would leave and go into my car by myself. I'm alone and I'd be starving, hungry, which makes me angry, exhausted, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would have to call people. So if you're a spouse and you're saying, you know, 
My spouse is losing a lot of sleep. There's a ton of stress. You know, there's some things that might be adding pressure to that. What are some of those things that can add pressure that we can step in? Sleep, stress, food. Yeah, I think so much of what you said, and I think to I think to know each other and to have those conversations. Why it's why I think having counseling and recovery and all those things is so important as a couple. That it's not just the addict's mm, problem. Okay. But it's we're doing this together and we're we're in this together so that you can say, Hey, I'm I'm noticing this. I'm noticing this trigger in you. So when before I got sober, my wife used to work in a doctor's office and I worked in a restaurant. Mm. And so we had just opposite shifts and we just crossed in the night a lot. And one thing I did was I would sneak in my alcohol in my gym bag. So I'd wait for her to go to bed and I'd say, hey, babe, I'm going to go get my gym bag out of the car so my car doesn't stink. And I would sneak in my booze that way. Years later, I've been sober for about four years and I really did forget something in my car. And I said, hey, I'm going to get my gym bag out of the car. And she was walking upstairs to go to bed and she just froze on the stairs. Mm. And, yeah. and I watched this happen and my heart broke because that was a trigger for her. So I got my gym bag. I came back in the house. I opened it up. I said, I need you to look through every part of this bag. And she goes, no, I don't. And she started to apologize to me. I said, no, no, no. Yeah. I need to apologize to you because my action made that happen. But we had this beautiful conversation mm -hmm. where it was, you know, both of us were in it together. Yeah. So I think you start to notice those triggers. And instead of being like, hey, Johnny, I'm watching this happen <laughs> and you're going to get in trouble. But hey, hey, babe, I'm... I'm yeah. worried about yeah. you. You're yeah. not sleeping. You're not taking care of yourself. You haven't been exercising. You haven't been calling your sponsor or reaching out. Right. This is always a recipe for disaster. What can we do to get you back yep. on the right track? Mm. That mm. conversation can be really powerful. Yeah. And here's what I wanna, I wanna say to anybody that struggled, to anybody that's failed, admitting you failed doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. For you to go to your wife and go, hey, look through this. And she's like, no, 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 no. it's okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry right. again. It broke my heart again. I did those things. I'm sorry. Please look through the bag. Get comfortable. It's okay that you got triggered. You know, we had uh, Amber Leah and uh, Wendy yes. speak on with triggers. It's okay to get triggered. It's so natural. And to have that conversation brought intimacy back into your marriage for you yep. to go, I was wrong. I did those things. It's okay for you to be triggered and please look through this bag mm -hmm. created such a different bond with you and your wife. That's what I want to tell rebels. Admit when you're wrong, just go yep. again. That will build back that intimacy. Yeah. They're going, you again. know, one other thing that it did for me though, is it showed me what would happen if I did relapse. Yeah. It yeah. showed me some of the pain I would cause oh. if I did. And it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, this isn't free. This isn't, I just went out and had a drink. Yeah. This, it's not this just hurts me. other people in my life. And sometimes I need those reminders because I will get confused and I will go, oh man, I really, how come I can't do this? And how, you know, and it's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's yeah. what my actions mm -hmm. do. And, you know, it was a very powerful reminder for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad it happened because it was, it was like you said, sure. Ryan, it brought some intimacy into that moment. It was really powerful. Johnny, you just said something that I'd love for you to address to the people that do struggle with addiction, because this is something that I've heard many, many, many times. Why does everyone else get to blow off steam and I can't? What's my yeah. thing? You guys go out, you have a drink or two. It's no big deal. No one condemns you. You know, you feel a little good, da, da, da. And I never get to do it. I never get to blow off steam. Where's my thing? Yeah. I mean, I'd just say you need to get to a meeting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but but I get that, and I do, you know, and I think that's one of the things that is hard because there are people, and I have to keep telling myself this, there are people that can have a drink and it's not an issue for yep. them. Mm-hmm. And for me, though, it is. And so, you know, I think it is important to find healthy ways to do what you're saying, to blow off steam. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and, and for me, it, in the past, it's been exercising. Right now, I've been really bad at that. But it's something that I, and again, we talked about addictive personalities. I've gone way the other, way too far with that in the yeah, past as well. The legalism. But find, finding things to do to blow off steam, to take care of it. Because you're going to have it. You're going to yeah. have bad days. Yeah. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be upset. You're going to be angry. Those that. things are natural <laughs> parts of life. Yep. What we have to do is figure out better ways to handle it than blowing off steam with a drink or with looking at something online or spending money or whatever it is that, that gets you going. Totally. Yes. Yep. Man, I love it. Anything else? Anything that you want to tell people? Oh, oh yeah. Do you, How do you think about the recovery program it seems like it, things have shifted in the way they're treating recovery like the 30 days 29 day recovery programs it seems like it used to be all hospitals now it's going to like houses and homes um have you seen that shift or is that just something happening here in colorado that's definitely happening and i think you know if you go to a sober living home or a rehab facility uh, i think it could be a very powerful start to your recovery mm-hmm. okay. but Cool. The one thing that I see happen a lot is that a parent will call and they'll say, I've got to get my son into this recovery house. Yeah. And I go, that's what we're getting. Yeah. I don't think that's the right first step if they don't <laughs> want recovery. They don't you want have the help. to want it more than anything in the world. Okay. Otherwise, that could be a really hefty chunk of money that you're throwing away. Yeah. Because um, okay. the person could walk out on day one. Definitely. Let's Definitely. talk about that too, yeah. for sure. This is, so uh, I listened to, my goodness gracious, it's got to be a 10-part series. It was Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes talking about Jason's opioid addiction. Uh And the welfare state, when it comes to addiction, doesn't work. The safety net doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The bailout Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And we have parents, because we're rebel parenting. We do marriage and parenting. But parents that call us that go, my kid is an addict, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And we say, you have to let them want it more than you. And they go, but what if they die? And they're, if you bail them out, they, they will anyway. That's the hardest part. Yeah, that's it's, the hardest part of it all. It'll just yeah. be on your hands. It won't be their choice. And yeah. can you talk to the parent whose child struggles? Because listen, I'm a parent. I would do anything. I would, do any, I would die for my kid. I would do anything for my mm-hmm. kid. But bailing him out is going to be the worst thing, Johnny, but I want to do it so bad. I don't want to see him suffer anymore. I was so cavalier about this before my kids were in the ages they are now, junior high and high school. Mm. It was so easy for me to just be like, you just tell that kid to get out. And I look at my daughters now and my son now and I go, oh, that's so hard. But it's so important to have those boundaries and to to hold them to the boundaries, to hold them to the guidelines or whatever it is that you call them. It's so hard and I watch parents, I sit with parents as they go through it. I think about my parents as I was going through my Mm -hmm. recovery journey and building my testimony and all that stuff and I just think, I don't know how my parents allowed me to struggle the way I did without rescuing me because they were the experts, they could have done it. Yep. And instead they said, I never forget, my dad picked me up from jail and said, kid, I think you need to look at your issues, you need to look at your actions, 
but it's up to you. That was it. That was the whole, that was the conversation we had. Mm. And I had to have broken his heart, mm. but he didn't, you know, he, he was not going to rescue me. He wasn't that that was it. And he walked through that process with me, but he didn't, you know, it was sort of up to me to do what I needed to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would say if your kid is out there and they're struggling and you bring up opioids, which is just it's killing thousands of yes. people. I mean, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And one thing, Celebrate Recovery, we are digging into the opioid epidemic and trying to figure out what we can do to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just so scary. It's so scary. I mean, it's it's at the point now where it's like if I get surgery and they want to give me it, it's like I is what else? What yeah. other thing do you have? Because yeah, I just had I don't surgery. trust myself. I just enough, you know, that's right. I tell that but thing? sure, uh, yeah, yeah, Laura just, just had full facial reconstruction uh, for cancer. For, for cancer, and wouldn't I, let him give her opioids. Oh, I didn't let him give it to me. <laughs> I, oh, I wow. sat there well, and listened to the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want that stuff. They wouldn't. She wouldn't let yeah, him. Let her. I mean, yeah. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get hooked on. And so my dad's talked about uh, this, Johnny. My mom at uh, 74 story. years of age had a knee replacement, mm. and her doctor put her on oxycotton and oxycodone, 24 hours Gosh. a day for three weeks, and then he cut her off cold turkey and didn't tell her anything. And my poor mom at 74 thinks she's having a heart attack. Calls 911, ambulance shows up. She feels like she's on fire. It's the most excruciating thing she's ever been through. They don't know what's wrong. Goes home. My dad calls me, says your mom's called uh, 911. He was in Nashville getting on an airplane. It's opioid withdrawal. We finally figured it out. It was opioid withdrawal. It was 100% opioid withdrawal. Uh, Yeah. Oh my gosh. It happened twice. Because they sent her home, and then it happened again. It happened again with that shelf life it's for the that half life. And so, <laughs> this is the other thing that I want to talk to parents about. Uh, I spoke in a rehab a few years ago, and there was a young kid in there, 24 years old, had been in college, college baseball player, pitcher, blew his elbow out, went to his doctor, had surgery. They gave him a bottle of 120 oxycotons and said, "Don't take too many of these." Three years later, didn't graduate college, complete opioid addict, heroin addict in rehab, lost his career, lost his future because they gave a child heroin. And and so Mm. parents, I just want you to understand, one, you can't give your kids drugs. Uh, There was a young girl in there that was a a recovering heroin addict and she had gotten hooked on opioids because she had had a bad period and her mom gave her a half of an oxy to cut the pain Mm. out and that's where it started. So one, don't give your kids drugs. Two, it can just happen so So quickly. So quick. It's not this... I chose to go become a drug addict. Like that whole... (laughs) Nobody does. That whole Nancy Reagan just say no 80s, you know... that didn't work. It Thank didn't you. work. It didn't work. And it's not true. No one wakes up in the morning. And a si- my six-year-old daughter isn't going, you know what? Someday I'm going to sell my body for heroin. Like, yeah. no right. one dreams of that. It just, it's too easy. Yeah, let's de-signify yeah. the moral issue of it. <laughs> but but I would say if you have a child who's going through this kind of stuff, allow them to feel the pain. And I know that's hard. And you're going to feel the pain too. Yeah. But God uses pain to get our attention. Mm, and so does. if we make it too easy for the people around us that are hurting with these things, we rob them from the experience of going through pain to get them to turn their life around. And again, if you're if you have a child that's going through this or a loved one going through this, you need 
support and community and counseling and recovery and all those things, not just your child or your spouse, but you need it as much as they do. Perfect. Oh, Johnny, thank Thank you so much for coming on. What a blessing to have you on this broadcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. The book you've got out now is called The Road to Freedom, Healing from Your Hurts, Hangups, and Habits. What a fantastic conversation. Thanks for being on today. I loved it. Let's do it again sometime. It's fun. We'd love it. Whoo, Rebels. That was a good one, yeah? Yeah. I like him. Stirring it up. Yeah, I'm going to California. I'm going to go talk. You know, he emailed me. He emailed me his friend. Like, yeah, we are we are kind of kindred spirits in there. We're going to go back. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Hey, you know, we didn't talk about Johnny's book on the broadcast, um, but I like him and I've got his book and I've been reading it and it's really interesting. And that's kind of the direction we're taking Rebel Parenting. I listen to lots of podcasts all the time and I listen to tons of books all the time. Most of them I find from friends or other podcasts, but never from... I don't know, like a book review, you know, like yeah. mm-hmm. on page 200, I said this, like, I don't, I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, rarely does that, does that do it for me? Johnny Baker has a book called The Road to Freedom, healing from your hurts, hangups, and habits. He struggled with alcoholism. His dad struggled with alcoholism, started Celebrate Recovery. And then Johnny growing up in the Celebrate Recovery thing was like, oh no, I'm going to be totally fine. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then fell into alcoholism himself, which is super typical. It's, I mean, it just is. I was going to say it's no big deal, but it was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And he's written a great book about it called The Road to Freedom. You can find it on Amazon and there's links in the show description. You can find it there too. Uh, what's coming up? Oh man, the end of summer, winding oh, down. Oh goodness, man. School starting. The new offices. Hey, pray for our office move, Rebels. Yes. Pray for our office move. Wow. It is overwhelming how much work we are trying to get done doing broadcasts and moving the entire organization into our tiny home. <laughs> so pray for that uh, next week we've got cornerstones talking about talking to your kids about the bible and different bibles you can use with them and ways to help them we've got a product honestly i know i just said this is not a book review program this is one of those things that you're like oh it's, it's like really just ka-chow. it's like a trump <laughs> card it's like boo you just learn so fast so yeah. easily you don't even know it yeah cornerstones that's gonna be fantastic uh ooh, after that you and Laura talking to uh, the little green family. Mom's on the mic. Mom's on the <laughs> mic happening. One right. life to live. That's going to be fantastic. Oh, my, uh, I almost said man crush. That would have been, I don't think that would be appropriate. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what do I say? It's Kirk Cameron. I don't care. It's Kirk Cameron. He's the best. <laughs> he is. He's so rad. Kirk Cameron's coming up after that. We've got some bunch of giveaways. We've got Shanti Feldhan and Elisa Keaton coming back on the broadcast. We have a summer packed full of fire. Right? Rebels, it'll be here every single week. God bless. Thanks for listening. We will see you here soon. Bye-bye.